Welcome back to the Everything That Came Before Grace podcast. I'm Bill C. We pick up this chapter with Benjamin on the plane heading back from New York after dropping Sophia off at Columbia to start college. He recounts the frantic last couple days running around buying all the thises and the thats to fill her dorm, and then suddenly it's time to say goodbye. It's one of those big benchmark moments, and I'll just share this is a real moment I drew from when I dropped my daughter off at Pace University in New York a few years ago. Anyway, they hug goodbye, and Sophia starts backpedaling her way towards the entrance to her dorm, and she's waving at him, and then she shouts to her dad to check under his pillow when he gets home because she left something for him. He watches her disappear inside her dorm, and he starts walking to the subway to get to the airport, but he becomes overwhelmed with the joy and relief that he got her to the goal he's been focused on her whole life. Then he gets on the subway, and he realizes she's gone, and he's all alone now, and it hits him like a ton of bricks. When he finally gets home, he looks under his pillow, and it's a letter she's wrote to him letting him know everything she brought with her, so he doesn't worry. And as I mentioned a couple chapters ago, this second Dear Dad letter is another platform for Sophia to speak for herself and let the reader know who she is. And I might mention, last November I did this chapter as well as chapter one as a live scene with a couple actresses at a local theater when the book was still incubating. And I have to say, it really helped get those two chapters to evolve and help define the characters. I think there's a YouTube clip of it somewhere, and although it's not that great, it's kind of an interesting document showing how these chapters developed. So let's have at it. It's chapter 44, Letting Go. Chapter 44, Letting Go, September 6, 2016 I'm on the plane heading back from New York. I dropped Sophia off at Columbia to start college today. One of those big benchmark moments you picture for years but can't possibly prepare yourself for. As the hum of the plane's engine lulls me into that half-dream state, I'm floating along to the band's beguiling tears of rage in my headphones. Another one of those might-be-about-a-daughter-pulling-away songs I can't stop listening to. I'm replaying the whirlwind last few days getting Sophia moved into her dorm, running around buying pillowcases, a kettle, Tupperware, a comforter, adhesive hooks to hang pictures, a toothbrush holder, and a bath mat standing with all the parents, waiting for the dorm elevators to come, all of us pretending we're not dying inside as we schlep cartfuls of stuff that just a couple days ago filled our kids' bedrooms back home. It already feels like days, but it was only a few hours ago Sophia started getting pulled in every direction, 
and suddenly there wasn't a lot of time to say goodbye. I spot a little bench in front of Carmen Hall and take her hand. We take a seat together. A few feet away, a mom is hugging her daughter goodbye. The daughter's arms hang limply at her sides, waiting for her mom to let go as the dad stands a few feet away, trying not to cry. I'm trying to gather my thoughts, but everything is coming at me too fast. I've been thinking about this moment and what I'd say since Sophia was a little kid, but now that it's here, I'm just trying to hold on. I know you have to go, I say, looking at her. Just let me have my moment to tell you how freaking proud I am of you. She squeezes my hand and turns to face me. When I come home for Christmas, she says, you better have the first couple chapters of that book written. Okay, but what am I supposed to write about, I ask. Write about us, about how we made it, just you and me, she says. Or yours and Anna's journey, or how both of those stories intertwined. I don't know, you're the writer. Ah, I'm just a hack, I scoff. Dad, stop saying that. You are a writer. Tons of people say what they are, but you live and breathe it. You inspired me. You never told me that, I say quietly. Well, that's my bad, because it's true. You just have to get your stuff out there. Seriously. Well, I know who the hero of the story is, I tell her. It's you, Soph. You made it, in spite of me. Come on, Dad. We made it together. It turns silent as we sit there holding hands, watching the mix of students and parents and New Yorkers bustling about. Listen to me, I say. Don't ever let anyone tell you who you are. You hear me? You tell them who you are. Don't worry, Poppy. I've got this. I see that now, I say. You've had it all along, haven't you? We sit there silently holding hands. I'm watching the mix of students and parents and New Yorkers bustling about while trying to think of something more to tell her to delay the inevitable. Everything comes around, you know, I say. What do you mean, she asks. You're right where I was my first day at UCLA. I was sitting on some steps watching all the overwhelmed freshmen gather on this big grass field to get our ID cards. Then I saw Anna for the first time. Everything seemed so possible then. The whole world is about to open up for you, Soph. I just want to make sure you don't get tripped up like I did. Dad, really, I've got this, she assures me again. Remember the Lion King, I start to say? Dad, just listen, I interrupt. Remember when Mufasa tells Simba that everything the light touches will be his? It can be for you too, Soph but you've got to realize it's okay to be selfish now. You can still be who you are and go get what's yours. Dad, I know, she says, but it can all change in a moment, so one decision in one moment can have life-altering consequences. Don't lose sight of who matters most right now, and who matters most right now is you. Dad, I get it, she says, taking both my hands in hers. You don't need to worry anymore. You want me to be okay? Then go take care of yourself, because I am ready for this. I'm sorry. I, I guess I just, I guess I don't want to let go of your hand, I say. 
It's okay, Dad, she says, pulling me up. Come on, you've got this. We stand there facing each other. She takes her overly long sleeve and wipes the tear running down my cheek. I reach over and wipe hers too. She gives me a wave and turns to go. Takes a few steps and I call out. Hey, Soph, you've always been the light. Now go let it shine. She smiles as she starts to walk backwards, waving at me. I start seeing flashes of images like on one of those old carousel slide projectors. Sophia hanging on the fence her first day of school. When I found her after she wandered off at the zoo. The two of us at the beach trying to outrun the crashing waves nipping at our heels. Falling into the mud pit after losing the tug of war at the father-daughter picnic. Right before she ducks into the front doors of Carmen Hall, she calls out, Dad, when you get home, look under your pillow. I left something for you. I give one last wave and she disappears inside. I'm not sure how long I stand there, but at some point I realize there's nothing left to do but turn and walk away. So I make my way down 114th Street towards the subway. I start to quicken my pace until it feels like I'm floating just above the sidewalk. I'm drunk with unbridled relief and the ecstasy of the moment. Everything is coming at me too fast. I stop. I'm standing now on the sidewalk with my arms raised and my head thrown back. Scores of natives brush past me like I'm not even there. I close my eyes and bring my fists against my heart and say to myself over and over, We made it. We fucking made it, you motherfuckers. I got her in that fucking lifeboat, you fucking fucks. I don't remember getting on the subway. I just remember it's later and I'm listening to It's a Motherfucker by the Eels. The train is rocking hypnotically long and I feel everything start to come down on me. I decide to try and get it down in writing. It's a bittersweet irony. We, as parents, try to instill empowerment, independence, and courage. And that's the very thing that one day helps them sprout their wings to fly away from us. And no matter how much that might hurt, you gotta let them go and let them know you're gonna be okay so they can fly weightless, guiltless, and free. I don't remember much else about getting back to L.A. until I'm driving up La Cienega on my way to pick up the dogs. Cooper jumps right in, but Coco's legs are too weak, so I lift her into the front passenger seat. She curls up and puts her head down. Strange, she usually leans her big head out the window, letting the wind whip her tongue around. As I drive us home along Wilshire, I'm thinking about how much I wish I still had Cassandra to talk to. Leave it to Kaiser to cut me off right when I need it the most. I'm zonked from the trip and don't feel like unpacking. I pour myself a drink and take a seat out front. I've been bracing for this moment for years, but now that it's here, 
Nothing's going to change the fact that my best friend got the only girl I ever loved, and my whole purpose for living is now 3,000 miles away. It's like this great big now what moment. God, I never should have let myself believe this was when Anna and I would have a chance to give it a go. I haven't heard from her since that day she drove away. Cooper lumbers out to join me. Where's Coco, I ask him. Go on, go get Coco, go on. A minute goes by. Coco, I call out over my shoulder. Come on, girl, we're out front, gonna raise a toast to Sophie. Coco? Nothing. I get up and walk inside and freeze at the sight of her sprawled on the kitchen floor. I slowly walk over, kneel down, and put my head against her chest. Her breathing is slow and labored, her eyes half-lidded, and I feel it hit like a two-by-four to the gut. Oh, you beautiful soul, I tell her. You held on until we got Sophie off safe and sound, didn't you? I sit there rubbing Coco's magic spot on her head as Cooper nudges himself as close as he can. The memories come rushing at me, Coco trailing a couple paces behind me when I used to walk baby Sophia back and forth across the living room, trying to get her to sleep. All those times she sat out here, staring up at me, trying to understand the pain behind my eyes. Her breathing slows and her old eyes dim, and Cooper lifts his head up and looks at me. She's tired, Coop, I say. She needs us to tell her it's okay to let go. I squeeze Coco's paw and feel the last bit of strength she has faintly squeeze back. Your legs will be strong again where you're going, I whisper in her ear, and all that gray in your coat will disappear. Safe travels, my dear old friend. Safe travels. A few minutes later, she takes her last breath, and just like that, she's gone. Cooper looks up at me, quietly whippers. It's just you and me now, I tell him. I wrap Coco in an old blanket of Sophia's and load her into my car and I drive her to my work and ask them to take care of everything for me. It's later now and I'm back home in bed listening to Daniel Lenoir's Still Water. Cooper jumps on the bed and starts sniffing around my pillow then shoves it aside revealing an envelope with Dad in Sophia's handwriting. She made the D like the D on a Dodger uniform. I open it and read. Dear Dad, by the time you read this, I will have already taken a few steps on this journey of mine. I wanted to let you know what I packed to bring with me so you won't worry so much. I finally settled on my three non-negotiable rules for guys who want to date me. If they can't accept it, they're done. One, he's got to have my back. We can disagree, but don't hang me out to dry in public. Tell me privately. Two, 
I'm going to keep evolving, so don't resent me for not staying the person you met. 3. Don't try and change me because I already know who I am. Dad, I'm bringing your faith in me. I know sometimes it didn't seem like I appreciated your unconditional love for me, but I do. You always said if I ever lost faith in myself, I could borrow yours. I'm sorry if I never told you how much that meant to me. Oh, remember when I'd be in a bad mood and you'd say, don't forget your sense of humor. Don't worry, I packed it. Now, I'm going to make a few vows I want to share. Here goes. I refuse to live in a world where there's a lower ceiling for women and the sky's the limit for men. I won't ever put a guy on a pedestal or let him stand in my spotlight. When I start blaming people, I'll look in the mirror so I can see who can solve my problems. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because I need that strength today. I'm not afraid of failure or getting hurt. I've never grown from my successes. Dad, I know the last couple of years was rough for us. I'm sorry for my part. I don't know about you, but it made me stronger and ready for this. So don't worry, okay? This moment's not too big for me. I know what I want, and I'm going to go get it. I'm going to be someone who makes a difference in this world. You've done everything you can for me, Dad. It's your time now. I know you have a great book in you. Now go write it. Love, Sophia.